to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. Today we meet Simon the Sorcerer. He is one of the minor characters in the book of Acts, but God has deliberately placed him here for a reason, so that we can learn some rich lessons from him today. No mention is made of Simon before this or after, but in these verses there are some profound and powerful things that God would teach us for our Christian walk today. Even though Simon the Sorcerer is that minor biblical character that I previously mentioned he was, he has left an enduring legacy in our English language. The word simony, which refers to church leaders using money to buy positions for themselves in the church, is derived from Simon the Sorcerer and his actions here in Acts chapter 8. This practice seemed to be more prevalent in the Middle Ages before the Reformation, but when, when aspiring church leaders sought to climb their way up the ecclesiastical ladder by any means possible. However, who but the Lord knows the full extent to which this practice continues today. It continues to be a tragic testimony that the immoral tactics that may not shock us as much as in the cutthroat world of corporate and business achievements are actually being used in the church on occasion. Peter's rebuke to Simon, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. These are words every follower of Jesus in every age ought to pay close heed to. I find it instructive to look at Simon's response to Peter's harsh words of rebuke. Let's look at it in Acts chapter 8, verses 20 to 24. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Simon is really the epitome, the classic example of the young believer, the new Christian, the immature follower of Jesus. Many of us have been there. Many of us can remember as baby Christians, as immature believers, mistakes we made along the way as we took our first few teetering steps forward in Christ. We fell and still do fall, but hopefully we learn from our mistakes as God picks us up, dusts us off, and places us on our way again, just like any good loving father would. Well, today the Bible points out three areas where Simon's spiritual immaturity showed through. And it's helpful to see these areas so that we can avoid the same pitfalls in our lives. Firstly, in verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, Astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. It appears that Simon, the former wonder worker dabbling in the limited power of the occult, was won to Christ by Philip's own wonder-working powers, given to him through the unlimited power of the Holy Ghost. 
The Bible says Simon followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. We, hear, we see here, my friends, the common trap that many new believers and some long-time ones fall into, namely, following popular Christian leaders rather than Jesus Christ himself. Note how the Bible says Simon followed Philip everywhere. And so it is with many Christians today. We have many disciples of Joel Osteen, devotees of Brian Houston, admirers of Reinhard Bonnke, and fans of TBN. These are all fine men in ministries, but they would be the first to admit that that's all they are. Simply men, just ministers, and in no way whatsoever ought supporting them be seen as a substitute for a sold-out commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't believe that Simon at that point in his spiritual walk really knew Jesus. Oh, he had been baptized all right. He had said all the right words to get into the church. But it seems there was something missing, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A commitment to a love for him above everything else. Many people in our churches today are like Simon. They may be baptized. They may say all the right words to be part of the church. They may even follow the current Christian celebrities, know their names, read their books, and sing their songs. But the foundation of their Christian life is shaky. It's unstable. This is because a foundation for one's Christian life that is built on formal religious acts or serious-sounding religious words a spiritual life that is built on bestsellers and chart toppers is like the house that Jesus said is built on sand. And when the storms of life come to test that house, it will fall. The only solid foundation is a love for, commitment to, and worship of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And folks, I want to challenge you today to dig deep and strip off all the religious wrapping on your Christianity today. And at the base of all the positions you've served on in your church, and at the root of all the things you've done in the church and through the church, what is there? Is a commitment and love for Jesus first, last, and always sitting there? Or is there just a bunch of nothing? Because when it comes right down to it, Simon following Philip really means no more than you sitting listening to Evangelist Kevin's podcasts. When it comes right down to it, knowing Jesus is what counts. And so I ask you, do you have that foundation today? Another area where Simon's spiritual immaturity showed through is when, after receiving Peter's rebuke for trying to buy the gift of God, uh, the, uh, the gift of God's Holy Spirit. He asks Peter to pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Simon was a young Christian. He had a lot to learn and that's okay because we all have things to learn about the Lord and His Word too. God is patient, but He does want us to learn so that we don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. I don't believe it, that at that point in Simon's Christian walk, he knew that every believer could have access to the equal access to the throne of God. Every Christian, no matter how young or old, mature or immature, 
has the privilege of praying boldly and openly to the Lord for anything and everything. For some reason, many church people today don't seem to know this, or at least don't seem to believe and practice it. It is wonderful and needed to ask others to join in praying for our needs, but it is an altogether different thing to think that somehow you are disqualified by something you've said or done, or because of who you are, and as such are not privileged to talk to God directly, personally, and on your own, in prayer. Friend, hear this good word from God for you today, from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. My dear brothers and sisters, you have a right as a result of the shed blood of Jesus Christ to speak directly to God in prayer for whatever need or joy is on your heart. It is one thing to be a new believer never having really prayed before and to ask others to pray for you, listening to them, learning from them as to how to effectively communicate with the Lord. But it is another thing altogether to have been a believer for many years and to still feel unable, inadequate, or unworthy of praying effectively and with joy and confidence. This is certainly one way of Satan keeping you under a yoke of spiritual bondage and oppression, keeping you from moving on in your relationship with Jesus. It's kind of like the high school graduate who is functionally illiterate, unable to effectively communicate but who has somehow squeezed through the cracks of the system, yet will forever remain dependent on others to do what ought to come naturally and easily for himself. I'm concerned for each of you, my friends. If your personal prayer life is being hindered by lack of confidence in yourself or your abilities, if your walk with the Lord is being slowed down because of a perceived deficiency in your prayer life, then I want to offer myself to you today. To pray for you, yes, but more importantly, to help remove the roadblocks and the obstacles which are in the way of an exciting and dynamic prayer life. Prayer life is meant to be a privilege for every Christian. So if that is something you lack today, but want, please talk to me, and I would be privileged to allow God to use me to bless you in this way. Finally, you will notice that Simon asks Peter to pray for him so that nothing he said, none of the bad things that Peter said, could happen to him as a result of his ungodly request. In other words, Simon sought God out of fear. His repentance was motivated as a result of being frightened by what the consequences of his sin could hold for him. Peter said, May your money perish with you, and Simon feared the punishment of God, eternal death, judgment, and hell. Peter said, You have no part or share in this ministry, and Simon became terrified at the prospect of not being used by the Lord, of not being a fruitful laborer in the kingdom of God. And so we see Simon seeking God, but motivated by fear. Friends, there is a movement today, and it seems to have been around since about the 1940s, kind of a baby boomer type of phenomenon. And it's something that has lingered on into our generation today and really shows no sign of going away anytime soon. The movement is this. 
to draw people to Jesus Christ by stressing the love of God, not the judgment or wrath of God. In other words, it is thought that it is more proper and fitting for a person to commit their lives to Christ because of their love for him rather than their fear of an ultimate judgment to come. A more immature decision, response, and commitment to Christ is motivated by fear. It is thought. While a more mature, lasting relationship with Jesus is motivated by a love for him. And this may very well be the case. Indeed, it would seem more like a different planet than a different century when Jonathan Edwards preached these words in one of the most enduring, dynamic, and spirit-filled sermons of all time. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. Here's what he said. Here are some excerpts from that famous sermon. There is nothing that keeps wicked men at any moment out of hell but the mere pleasure of God. God holds the righteous and the wicked for his purpose. Perched perilously on the slippery slope, the wicked stand under condemnation. The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over fire, his wrath towards you burns like a fire. He is of purer eyes than to bear to have you in his sight. You have offended him infinitely more than ever a stubborn rebel did his prince. Moreover, God is exceedingly angry with some yet living. His wrath is burning, the pit is prepared, and the fire is hot. Yet many of these do not realize their fate. They flatter themselves. They are unaware that God's wrath is like waters being dammed up before exploding. Yet it is nothing but his hands that hold you, holds you uh, from, keeping, from falling into the fire every moment. It is to be ascribed to nothing else that you did not go to hell last night, that you were suffered to awake again in this world after you closed your eyes to sleep. Oh, sinner, consider the fearful danger you are in. It is a great furnace of wrath, a wide and bottomless pit. You hang by a slender thread. With the flames of divine wrath flashing about it, you have no interest in any mediator and nothing to lay hold of to save yourself, nothing to keep off the flames of wrath, nothing of your own, nothing that you have ever done, nothing that you can do to induce God to spare you one moment. You know, it may well be true that repentance based on fear, like Simon's in Acts chapter 8, is somehow less mature than a commitment to Christ based on love. But I wanted to close today by sharing with you all of you a still deeper, more profound, and infinitely more important truth that it doesn't really matter to God whether a sinner comes running from the prince of darkness with his tail between his legs or if he comes running with his arms open wide ready to hug and embrace the Lamb of God. The important thing, what really matters is that a sinner has come how or why they came home won't dampen the enthusiasm of any of the angels. The angels will still be whooping it up in the land where there is no night, just like Jesus said they would, over even one sinner who has finally come home. I know for a fact that this sinner would not be preaching to you today were it not for the deepest fear that I have ever known as I stared into the pit of hell and gazed into the raucous eyes of the Prince of Darkness himself, knowing full well that what was there, that that was where I was headed. Because that was what my actions, my life, deserved. And I also know for a fact 
that I would not be standing here before you today were it not for the most alluring love I have ever felt as I beheld the city of God in all its pristine glory and the face of the man who knew no sin, who called me by name, knowing full well that I didn't deserve the mansion he was preparing for me, but that he was ready to give it to me anyway. Friends, what really matters is not splitting hairs over the hows and whys of people coming to Christ, sinners seeking Jesus. What really matters is that they simply come. May the Lord Jesus call you to himself, if you haven't come already. And may that same Lord use you who have already come to bring many others with you. As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast, where we will move further into the book of Acts, as the Holy Spirit uses his word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org.